1: Yeah,
0: I was behind the counter. Yeah, right,
1: doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom
2: stuff.
0: Uh huh. Disciplining you
1: <laughs> in Amazing. some
3: way.
2: This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic Five. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Oh my goodness, it's it could happen here. A podcast about things falling apart, putting them back together, and the. Uh, Sisyphusian task of occasionally trying to stop them from crumbling as fast as they otherwise would. I'm Robert Evans, uh, who is not great at introducing this podcast, I'm joined with James, who is better at introducing this podcast, but I (laughs) I strong harmed him out of it. (laughs) Not true. Um, well, we'll let the audience decide. Um. So, James, today you and I are here to talk to a journalist uh, that we both like quite a lot, uh, Amy Westervelt. Amy Mm -hmm. is the host of a podcast called Drilled, uh, which focuses on shady stuff uh, done by the oil and gas industry. And particularly we're talking about season eight of Drilled, which is focused on what Exxon is doing in a South American country called Guyana. Um, and it's a really fascinating story. Uh, there's a lot here, including kind of the way in which oil and gas companies um, move in and in a kind of predatory way, create contracts um, with smaller countries that don't maybe have the legal resources to set themselves up uh, as well as they otherwise would, that don't have kind of the the long basis of environmental law rulings that like areas that have been you know, uh, used for by the uh, oil and gas industry for longer periods of time have um, and kind of the fight by activists in that country to um, rest control back from Exxon um, and a a bunch of other stuff. Besides Amy, welcome to the show. I think that's that's enough of an intro from me.
3: Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh
4: Yeah, Amy, I'm curious, kind of what got you started thinking about. And focusing on and really digging into what's been happening in in Guyana because um, obviously this is you know uh, the oil and gas industry is a, a topic of concern for most progressives um, but people tend to focus on you know kind of the Permian Basin the Gulf of Mexico. Um. Obviously, the Middle East. These places that are kind of seen as traditionally more the uh, the breadbasket of the oil yeah. and gas industry.
3: Yeah. yeah, I um I started looking at Guyana because I um follow a lot of Exxon's shareholder um briefings and reporting and things like yeah. that, and I kept seeing them talking about um about the project in guyana and just how like the projections kept increasing so quickly and it got to a point where i was like hold on a second they are projecting that this is going to be producing more than the Permian basin by 2025 and this is a country that shipped its first barrel of oil in 2019 that's incredible uh kind of unheard of that that something would happen that fast so um And I happened, like, just so happened to have had a friend years and years and years ago in San Francisco who, who, like, helped do, I don't know, like, marketing for the tourism board in Guyana and was constantly telling me about how Guyana was this amazing ecotourism destination. (laughs) So so I had this, so I had this, like, this idea of Guyana in my head is like ecotourism central. And then I kept seeing all of these updates around around drilling there. So that's kind of what initially got me interested. And then I got a press release about um, a lawsuit being filed there by an attorney who was trying to kind of stop the oil drilling. Um, so, yeah.
4: Yeah. And and this attorney has a has a pretty interesting backstory herself. Right.
3: She does. Yeah. And that was also very interesting because she actually was in-house counsel for BP.
4: Yeah. Deepwater Horizon folks. Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So she um, grew up in Guyana. Her family left uh, when she was around 12 or 13. There, there was quite a bit of political unrest in Guyana spurred, like, so many places by DAA. <laughs> and, um, oh gosh, like, the, the history of Guyana is really interesting. But anyway, so there was a lot of political unrest. Our family felt a bit unsafe. They left. They went to Zambia and then Trinidad. And then you wound up going to school in England, um, went to, to Oxford, you know, has this, like, very posh English accent now. And um, and then at one point decided, she, you know, she was working for BP and traveling all over and, um, and just kind of got fed up with it and wanted to move back to, yeah. Um, so she moved back, started working for a corporate law firm there to get very interested in environmental laws because at the time the country was just starting to write its first environmental laws. This
4: was like mid nineties-ish. Yeah. And one of the things you make a point on in the podcast that is really is interesting is, you know, I, I grew up in in Texas and I had a lot of friends from the Permian Basin. And mm-hmm. you don't think of it and you don't think of the Gulf as like an area of strong environmental regulations. And if you've spent any time swimming right. in the Gulf of Mexico, yeah. you certainly don't feel that way. <laughs> but it actually I mean, it is not not it's which so is not to say yet. that they're strong yeah. enough, yeah. you know. Um <laughs> right, it's not right. to say that they are sufficient. But it's—I mean—and it's not just that there's stronger regulations there, and the regulations are largely a product of how long people have been taking gas out of oil out of the ground. But it's right. also that um, because it's got a century, you know, or so of being utilized by the industry, there's kind of a um, there's a level of institutional knowledge built up yes. about how to do it, relatively. Which number one speaks to how inherently dangerous it is, because the Deepwater Horizon disaster happens right in the heart of this area. But it also means right. that yeah. when you've got a company like Exxon starting work in a place like Guyana, um, they don't have any of that any of that build up built up kind of competence or expertise in sort of dealing with these problems.
3: Yeah, that's right. They don't have you don't have kind of the heavy bench full of you know experts just hanging out looking for jobs. You don't have the um, disaster response expertise in case of a spill, for example. And you also don't have the regulatory oversight expertise, which has been a huge problem in guyana um they got they got a grant from the world bank at one point this was also
4: super controversial yeah, this was really like, interesting to me yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: yeah it was like it was <laughs> right like right before the world bank issued its whole you know we're not gonna um recommend fossil fuel develops as much mm-hmm. anymore kind of pronouncement um they sort of fast-tracked this grant to guyana to Uh, Create and grow like a petroleum regulatory department in its EPA because they didn't have it like it didn't exist before. Um, So they started to build that out. And um, but, you know, it's almost like they're building the regulatory apparatus as they're starting to drill so you can yeah. imagine like how well that's going
5: to go yeah. I, think <laughs> you you, <know?
3: laughs> yeah. I think
5: you said in your podcast that like, they dropped this hundreds of pages like environmental risk report and it got approved the same day that they received it right?
3: That's right yeah it, it's like stamped like the date of receipt and the date of approval are stamped on the report and it's the same day so there's not a lot of oversight yeah. happening.
4: Hey some people are speed readers Amy you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> they got a whole team of them. They spent all that world bank money on speed reading courses. They're yeah, yeah, really, really moving on it up. It. Yeah. And, and a lot of Adderall, I'm gonna guess.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. They're very focused over there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, they um I actually talked to I actually talked to this guy who ran the EPA in Guyana for, like the first couple of years that they were producing oil. And he had formerly worked for the Department of Energy in the U.S. and was trying to set up like real oversight. And like his recommendation was that they have um, an EPA staff member actually physically on the production vessel at all times, Um, which like, uh, yeah, no one was into. So that guy got fired.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Great. So maybe um talking about like the uh, legal panacea of Texas and, and uh, like the different system in Guyana would be a good way to segue into talking about this this like rights-based approach that they used to I guess ultimately try and ensure some kind of responsibility was taken by uh, the oil companies. Can yeah yeah, do you want to explain that for people?
3: in terms of like the right to a healthy environment yeah that, i think it's very interesting. Yeah. yeah it's really interesting it's super interesting so melinda jenke this lawyer who yep. used to work for bp from guyana moved home starts working on these laws she helped to write the um the country's first kind of environmental protection act which established its epa and then in 1996 and again in 2003, there were some revisions to the Constitution. So in the early 2000s, she worked on getting a right to a healthy environment um, integrated into the Constitution, which basically just says, you know, every citizen has the right to a livable environment for, you know, themselves and for future generations. So that actually opened up the ability for for citizens to sue the government over this oil drilling project. Uh, So there's a couple of people who are doing that, and they are arguing that the government is violating their right to a healthy environment by not just permitting this offshore drilling, but doing it in this really kind of reckless way where they're sort of rubber stamping permits they're not really providing any oversight Exxon like brags constantly about how this project is like you know we've done in 5 oh. years what usually takes 10 <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I asked them I was like oh is there like a new technology or like a new drilling approach or something and the, it like the answer is is you know more or less boils down to a very quote unquote collaborative government so um oh dear
4: you know right. oh boy <laughs> yeah that's exciting yeah, yeah that's yeah. good move faster <laughs> no need to dig into that <laughs> no, it's uh it's
5: the zuckerberg yeah. approach you move fast to break things nothing yes wrong.
4: totally totally yeah. exactly
5: and yeah. and
3: the the guy government has this idea i think that well they've they've actually said this out loud a few times that um like net zero is uh you know, commitments to net zero is sort of like their timeline, you know, where they're like, okay, well, you know, everyone wants to get to net zero by such and such date. So we need to get oil out of the ground as fast as possible and sell it. <laughs> yeah. So that we can meet that zero. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that's um, go. <laughs> and, yeah, wow. and so, um, and because of how, um, really crappy the contract is for, Anna, they are kind of incentivized to do that as well, because the faster they can um, get oil out of the ground and sold, the faster they might be able to kind of get to a place where actually getting sort of their promised share of the oil money. So they um, they're incentivized to move fast and kind of look the way on on stuff. I mean, there's the first two years of that project, Exxon talked publicly about the fact that a pretty key piece of equipment on the boat was um broken for two years (laughs) two years (laughs) that's cool Uh, yeah Um, (laughs) and again it's like a it's an offshore deep water drilling project Mm -hmm. this is like the the most risky type of oil drilling there is there's an enormous amount of pressure at that you know level of of depth of the ocean it's exactly the sort of situation that the Deepwater water spill happened in. Um, and uh, a lot of like similar kind of approaches to maintenance and safety happening. Um, so yeah, not great.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X
4: I wanted to talk a little bit, one of the things that you you kind of open up the series with that uh, I found very, very intriguing, and it's something I've heard from other journalists in the same uh, beat as you, is that when you start work on a project that focuses on Exxon, um, some peculiar things start to happen. Uh, just like, n- and nothing, nothing, nothing we can say for certain is like tied to Correct. Exxon Mobile. Um, That's right. Yes. But yeah, you, you you do notice some like weird things. I wanted to chat a little bit about that because it it's it it does scan with other things I've heard from from other it's folks.
3: It's true. It's true. And I you know I report on all of the oil comp, and none of them particularly like journalists, especially journalists Mm then they um you know will kind of do the usual thing of sending you nasty emails Mm -hmm. or refusing to have their executives talk to you and it's like but with exxon (laughs) like every every time i'm working on an exxon story it's just like you know if i'm traveling all my travel plans get canceled there's always just there's always just weird stuff that happens like you know you start to feel like being watched and followed a lot. Um, And, and yeah, it's super, not just me that has had that experience. I know that everyone I know that has reported on them has, um, said that's definitely like there's you know just a kind of an intimidation thing that they like to do I, I i actually was surprised that um that steve call who wrote the book private empire about exxon said to me and i have this in the podcast too that he has you know reported on al-qaeda and reported on the cia and if he's ever like disappeared he told everyone he knows that it's probably exxon so <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah yeah then and that definitely happened on this project too like we um my hotel room got canceled hotel room also got broken into um yeah and and it was one of those where it's like i had cash on the nightstand was still there but like my computer was open with like certain files open oh, <laughs> things like that and yeah. i don't keep like you know sensitive files yeah. on my laptop and yeah. even in my hotel room but it was definitely like okay this seems very um pointed and <laughs> you know
5: yeah it's intimidation yeah. yeah
3: yeah 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 totally yeah normal and good and um- I know. You no, know, people always yeah. ask me, they're like, Are you afraid of getting sued by Exxon? And I was like, Well, I guess if I had assets, I would be afraid. Yeah, it's, <laughs>
5: not, <laughs> know, it's not the suing yeah. that's the most concerning thing.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But
5: like I wonder I was really interested in I get this legal approach, which was very successful in Guyana, right? Um if we compare that, like if we come back to the United States. Uh, mm-hmm. and I know there's a court case. I think it was like it was. I'm pretty sure it's Boulder, Colorado. Um, I might be wrong, but it was somewhere like that uh, where they mm-hmm. they they tried to sue oil companies for causing fires, right? And- yes,
3: there's a climate liability case there, um, and it's still going. Actually, it's still it's still alive. They just got a, yeah. a, a like a move in their favor at the Supreme Court.
5: Because yeah, isn't the the case in the U.S. is a bit different, right? Where we don't have this constitutional right to like a healthy environment, and I'm we sure don't. Yeah, let yeah. me tell you. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs>
3: So, Although actually guess who does have that in the US the Montana state of Montana. Yeah, the yeah. state of Montana. Yes. And so there's yeah. like a there's a case there actually that's invoking their state yeah. constitutional
4: right, which is very there's, interesting. There's yeah. this um yeah. a lot of people don't know this about kind of the 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 the, the northern western part of the country. Um mm-hmm. you know, uh, Mountain, Mountain West. West. Montana is. It's not really the PNW, yeah. but it's the Mountain West. Yeah. Which yeah. is that they had especially kind of in like the 70s and 80s this weird history of like Republican governors, I think into the nineties, some of the early nineties too, yeah. like Republican state leaders who were also because I guess our, our our national discourse wasn't so inherently toxic, really progressive in in bizarre ways. One yeah. of like probably the best governor Oregon ever had was a Republican who's like mm-hmm. one of his chief accomplishments was he made all of the coastline in Oregon, both like mm-hmm. lake and river coastline and the um the ocean coastline public property. He like set it up awesome. so that it's regulated yep. like highways basically so that mm-hmm. no one can own private beaches. Now there's some little janky ways kind of around aspects of that, but like mm-hmm. as a general rule it's a really positive thing and it's like not what you would expect from a Republican. And I think the same thing mm-hmm. is true of, of that law in Montana where it just like, you used <laughs> to be able to have Republic. I mean like Nixon created the EPA, right? It just didn't used yeah, to be right the same kind of partisan that it is today.
5: Even like yeah. um, in the early Trump era, there were a decent number of Republican folks who like specifically opposed drilling in Bears Ears or like uh de- <laughs> yes, the Bears the Bears Ears thing
3: was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Wherever yeah, they yeah. went
5: hunting or something, yeah. right. <laughs> no, it was, right. 100% was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, we, uh, I was like the outdoor industry had to stop doing trade shows in Utah because Utah was going to, the governor of Utah supported demonumentizing it. A lot of the like quote unquote right. hook, and, hook and bullet people
4: were like, "Yeah, fuck this, it's
5: bad." Uh,
4: but yeah. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: yeah, I but mean it's yeah. the same. I think that it's is in gone. the same
4: category as like. John McCain having a good take on torture, right? Where it's like, yeah, <laughs> right. I mean they they live right there. Of course they don't want it destroyed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But everybody's okay with, you know, um, uh poisoning the gulf or um mm-hmm. you know, the stuff that the uh that Guy the yeah. coke industries was guilty of having like a, a fucking pipelines full of holes running under towns right. that then explode. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Exactly. And that is actually like the number it's like the number one thing that gets people on on board with environmental regulation is like having something happen in their their community where they're like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem fair. Um, Same with Pennsylvania. Like people were really into fracking until it became like, wait, so if my neighbor has a lease and that lease ends up poisoning my well, I have no (laughs) recourse. Yes, that's how it works. Welcome to America.
5: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: So now, I mean, they're all like, actually, there's. There's towns in Pennsylvania now that are, um, speaking of the rights-based thing, that are invoking home rule and baking rights of nature into their charters, and these are like yeah. pretty conservative districts too. And the whole reason they're doing it have more local control over land yeah. use decisions.
4: Well, yeah, um, yeah, which is probably, I'm sure, a mixed bag to some degree.
3: Exactly, because you could yeah. imagine that going in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes.
4: yeah, I think school board level
5: shenanigans exactly Mm -hmm. uh, uh,
3: yeah Yeah. right now it's like to get rid of fracking waste sites but it could easily be yeah we don't want any i don't know integrated schools here for example (laughs) yeah yeah Um, yeah um exactly Yeah. yeah
1: i
5: wonder like it's different in the u.s in the sense that like uh i understand right this this case in guyana went to the supreme court of guyana right and
3: um, is that right? Several. So, so, um, so Melinda has now filed seven different cases. Oh. <laughs> um, she's, yeah. she's very busy. Um, and most of them have wound up. At the High Court of Guyana, which is their Supreme Court, they just had a big verdict in um, a, another case that she filed, which is really interesting and potentially huge game changer for um, oil drilling kind of around the globe. They So in the environmental permit that Exxon had to get in order to start drilling offshore, it is laid out as a requirement of that permit that they have to have... Insurance policy from an independent insurer, so they can't self-insure, which is what oil companies usually do. They have they all have like their own insurance companies to insure their projects. Yeah,
0: it's Um, it's
3: great. It's bizarre, Uh, but anyway. So it really it it stipulates an independent insurance company and an unlimited parent company guarantee. That's really, really huge because basically in Guyana, as in most other places that they're operating outside of the US, they use like a local subsidiary that has very few assets. So they have SO Exploration and Production Guyana Limited, which is worth, you know, maybe $2 billion on paper. Um, And And so, you know, it's very handy for them to, you know, if something bad happens and the subsidiary might get drained, but the parent company is protected. it, It was actually written into their permits. They had to have this unlimited guarantee that they will cover whatever damages, which is important because in all of the environmental impact assessments, you know, Exxon's own environmental impact assessments they're saying if there were a well blowout which is like what happened with deep water it would hit up to 14 different caribbean islands plus various countries in like the northern coast of south america so like a, a really big problem and these are mostly countries that rely on tourism and for their economies so um The argument that Melinda made was, look, because the government has been lacked in regulation um, and now they haven't required this guarantee, you're opening up the citizens of this country to risk. Because if there's a spill like this, these countries could come to Guyana asking to be paid for damages. And um, we're not able to. And now you've like taken, you know, Exxon paying for it off the table. So um, anyway, the judge in their favor and said, yeah, you're right. Exxon, you need to have this in writing within 30 days. Oh, wow. (laughs) um, Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, that could really make. I, it would change the math considerably for this project, and I would say most other projects that they're working on. Um, the EP is it's the epa and exxon were sort of like co-defendants in this case the epa is appealing also like just by the way when your epa is a co-defendant with an oil company there's something very wrong <laughs> yeah they might the not they might not do
4: be doing the p part <laughs>
0: yeah
3: exactly yeah, yeah, exactly
4: yeah.
3: So they're appealing and, you know, there's a lot of government corruption and stuff going on. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But this judge, everyone was like, I was talking to a a journalist that we've been working with there. And she was like, yes, everyone's very worried for his safety. Because like this, this was a big deal. And he really, I mean, in like the most prim and proper legalese possible, he repeatedly was like, EPA, why are you just being Exxon's bitch? <laughs> like,
4: yeah. It, yeah. it smell like bitch in here. What's going on?
3: Yeah. Yeah. It was really it was like it was like a real like whoa bomb of a of a ruling. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. That's a big win. The constitutional case is still um, they're still waiting for a ruling in that case. But that's also the Supreme Court that will be ruling on it because it's a constitutional yeah. argument. Yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah. Uh, talking of being people's bitch, it's probably time for us to uh, hear from our advertisers. Ah, yes. Great,
4: great, <laughs> great, great role, James. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Uh, you laid yeah. it up and I just dunked it. It was good. These, these advertisers, none of whom are in any way involved in the oil and gas industry. Uh, excellent, we actually excellent. can't promise that, but you know, <laughs> pretend <laughs> we can. Yeah, yeah.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear swimwear and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin tomboy x just dropped their pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all-day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6x visit tomboyx.com
1: xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love
2: Ah,
4: we're back uh and continue to be blameless. Uh um all right, let's uh should we move on to talking about um we chatted a little before this started and, and one of the things that kind of is is perennially on um or perpetually on our our uh, our beat is different laws and uh and rules and attempts around the world to crack down on the ability of people to protest and exercise yeah. dissent. Um, which you have some 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 thoughts on, and also some some information on kind of the way in which the oil, the oil and gas industry is tied to a lot of these, uh, these yes legal kind of assaults. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. They are uh, very into cracking down on protests. And the thing that I think is really interesting right now is that you have the fossil fuel industry on the one hand. Working behind the scenes to, you know, the American fuel and petrochemical manufacturers, which is the lobbying group for like Coke Industries and a bunch of oil companies and all of that. um, They helped to write sample legislation in the wake of Standing Rock to... um, pass around to all of these republican states that would increase the fines associated with protest and jail time and they also did a lot to try to um, broaden it out to include organizations so you know any anyone any organization being to organize or plan protests can also be fined um, in Kansas, they included a RICO charge in that. So, you know, oh. they're trying to make protest organized crime. Yeah. Um, but at the same time that they're doing all of that stuff. The number one argument that the fossil fuel industry is making in all of the climate cases against it in the U.S. is a corporate free speech argument. And that is like it's terrifying. So actually, and you mentioned Boulder before yeah um there's been there's like 24 ish of these cases where uh, towns or cities or states are saying, hey, it's really expensive for us to adapt to all of these climate risks and it would be less expensive if the oil and gas companies hadn't kept everyone from doing anything about this for the last 40 years. Yeah. therefore they sh- should pay some portion of the cost. That's like the basic argument. And the oil companies for the last three or four years have been saying, you know, oh, you're trying to get around federal law by bringing these in state court and these cases belong in federal court. The Supreme Court finally declined to hear that argument. The Department of Justice was like, they can stay in state court, it's fine. So that argument is sort of dead in the water, but they've already started with like their next attempt to get these cases to the supreme court and it's this free speech argument that they've been making which basically says look anything we've ever said about climate change was in the interest of shaping policy that makes it political speech or in like legal um words petitioning speech and therefore protected by the first amendment now they're saying in these cases our First Amendment argument is foundational to our arguments. Therefore, uh, these can't be in state court. State courts can't rule on, on like, key First Amendment issues. So I, I'm, like, convinced that one of these cases is going to be the next Citizens United. And in this Supreme Court, that's very, very scary. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. You know, they're talking about blurring that, like, they're basically saying, like, lying can be free, can be protected if it's in the interest of shaping policy a particular way
4: um yeah it's fine if we're okay yeah. with lying if it's good <laughs> for us yeah which is you know it, is you my attitude money, but... whenever i'm pulled over by the police but probably right. probably yeah, yeah. oil and gas companies should be held to a higher exactly, standard exactly
3: so you can see why it's like bad but like really for everything very bad if that precedent yeah, gets set right. um yeah so yeah they're doing that at the same time that they're Trying to limit individual free speech, and I think that parallel is, um, well, a not accidental, but very, very gross and disturbing.
5: Yeah, very much so. Uh, like, I think it's interesting. Yeah, they try. Like, they they very clearly see this Supreme Court as like the 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 one to go for it. Right? Not that it's going anywhere anytime yeah. soon. I guess. But didn't Amy Coney yeah. Barrett just yeah. like like dad? Wasn't her dad like a shed for oil Shell? Guy?
3: Yeah. Yeah, just, he worked for yeah. Shell for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> he, he sure did.
5: Of course, because yeah. you know, there's a class thing happening. And she maybe. never
3: recuses herself on any of these cases ever. Yeah. Also, Alito, I think it's Alito, has mm-hmm. stock in ConocoPhillips. Cool. So that's cool. That's yeah. cool. You'll um, probably find
5: out that Clarence Thomas <laughs> owns sure Clarence an Thomas. oil rig.
3: Yeah, soon. it was gifted to him by someone. Yeah, um, a dude with yeah. a
5: Nazi statue
3: yeah yeah so yeah i i think it's um it's and and i mean they like have said out loud in multiple places that the, the whole push to criminalize protests was a hundred percent a reaction to standing rock yeah um they yeah. were very freaked out by that um i think they always have like a an organized reaction to anything that indigenous people are doing, period. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like yes. that whole gross extra layer to it. Um, and then actually elsewhere too, like in, um, in Canada, this, um, I, like uh, we're working with a reporter who's been looking into this in Canada for a while, his name's Jeff Dembicki and he's found that, um, there's a the the oil and gas companies there like wrote down and strategies i don't know why these guys write this stuff down all the time but they do they they wrote down we're gonna make first nations people the face of climate protests because that'll make it easy to vilify climate protest in the press
5: wow yeah Um, ah fuck jesus christ sorry that one's fully sent me um
3: it, yeah, it, yeah yeah so Fuck and a very similar thing there too where it's like increasing fines and jail time and you know mm-hmm. um yeah
5: it's interesting so, how yeah it's like in the u.s anyway like if you look at the bleeding edge of settler colonialism it's it's nearly always fossil fuel extraction right like if like oak flat uh the, the proposed extraction of lithium on tribal lands like mm-hmm. a, a lot of these the the Nexus of, like protest and yeah, like colonialism will be these. I guess not lithium as a fossil fuel, but these extractive projects on tribal land.
3: Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Which is why actually the um, the the rights of nature stuff is becoming really interesting in tribal court. So I don't know if you guys followed this, but like um. With the line three protests, mm-hmm. the um, the tribe there they um, they actually filed a case against the uh, the Minnesota I don't know Department of Public Works or something like that, and they um, they they were like Look, uh, we have a um, in in their case it's, it's monomen, the uh, the rights of Manomen. so Manomen is um, oh God. It just went out of my mind entirely. It's uh, wild rice, sorry. Okay, Manomen is the word, is the indigenous word for wild rice and they have rights for this rice written into their uh, tribal laws. And so they're saying, look, um, based on our treaties, you are actually violating this law and therefore we can we can take you to court in tribal court to stop this pipeline. Oh, it didn't work to stop line 3, but actually the case is still uh making its way through the courts because the the Minnesota DPW tried to say look um tribal court has jurisdiction over us and the state court was like uh yeah they do actually because treaties exist.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
3: um so it's really interesting because now um it's the same tribe that is potentially impacted by line five in michigan and they are looking at using the same argument and and it could end up actually working there because there's now been enough time that you know it could it could make its way to the courts and set a precedent but anyway yeah it's really 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 interesting
5: yeah it's uh that's very that's really weirdly similar to the kumiai people here in san diego who are challenging the construction or quote-unquote repair uh which is not what's happening of border wall Uh, yeah yes that's
3: what they all say about the pipelines too it's always repairing an old pipeline but you look at the plan and it's like that's a whole new ass pipeline in a different place than it was before (laughs) yeah
5: yeah yeah they're repairing a three-foot fence with a, a 30 foot steel barrier uh but yeah they it cuts directly sure, through sure. burial grounds here and they're repairing it by destroying the burial grounds which again they uh they've opposed mm. with mixed results i guess but it's yeah i guess if folks are listening and they're interested like there are a lot of places where they can they can help those struggles like different ways to do that but that that might be more effective here than going to the supreme court given the our supreme court's composition i guess
3: exactly yeah exactly that's why. yeah with the um the tribal court stuff i think will be interesting to watch in the next couple of years to see if they're able to to do anything um but you know tribal sovereignty is all under attack by the supreme court yes
5: yeah (laughs) yeah the likelihood of this resulting in like indigenous nations getting ever more (laughs) fucked by uh, the U.S. is equally high as a likelihood of ever having success, yeah. I guess.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, I got really far <laughs> afield there. <laughs>
5: no.
3: um, the counter protest stuff is very, very, um, very much being driven by oil and gas. And there's it just keeps going, too. I mean, every year there's like, you know, multiple more of these laws being proposed and passed. I think we're at 20. It's now have passed them. 14 or 15 have actually implemented them. Um, Yeah. And yeah, it's not not great.
4: No. (laughs) I also think
3: like, you know, you're seeing the expansion of the whole eco terrorist and really like come back with a vengeance too. I feel like that was something that happened in like early post 9-11 days and is now happening again where it's it's like. I don't know, let's expand the definition of terrorism to include environmental activists, and um, then we can, you know, go after them with those charges, too.
4: Yeah, that happened yeah, in Cop so. City,
3: too, right? Weren't they using...
4: Yes, um, yes, they American are in stuff? the process yeah. of yeah. still doing that. Yeah. Um. Great. Yeah. Well, yeah. Amy... This is all really important. Uh, despite being I'm s- yeah, super a, fun a bit at parties, I'm so fun.
3: Uh, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> uh, we th-
4: we are we, this is a this is a real meeting of the people who are fun at parties. <laughs> Sit down and you know that dissent has been criminalized <laughs> yeah. in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. I guess I'll have a Manhattan. Like, what yes. do you what do you want? <laughs> <laughs>
5: The last it's party true. Robert and I attended together, uh, we we saw a car bomb happen. So
4: at least that. Happened. We did see a car bomb happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. My God. Yeah, it bring positive vibes. Oh, you're it not, was. You're not it was about just a demonstrative car bomb. You know, not, an not an Irish a Irish car bomb. People car bomb.
5: <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Burmese car bomb. Sadly.
4: No. No. If it was an Irish wow. car bomb, <laughs> it would have gotten more people. Um, yeah. uh, that's a little bit of a little bit of IRA humor for, for the audience um, yeah. okay we should probably call I'm
5: making the next slash motion yeah
4: yeah,
5: yeah.
4: <laughs> all right well Amy Amazing. Westerville thank you so much for coming on today and thank you for continuing to put out um, a podcast that is keep that can at least if people you know listen keep them um very updated on some of the most important um climate related news going on today and some of the real like fuckery being carried out by the oil and gas industry again the podcast is drilled season eight right now is about exxon in guiana um amy you have anything else you wanted to say before we we roll out
3: no that's it thanks for having me this was fun yeah,
4: yeah. thank you so much amy really appreciate it and uh yeah uh this has been robert and james um hmm. we should probably do something on the thames at some point james it'll rhyme i know it's not yeah. pronounced that way i know this was just me, no. me <laughs> <laughs> let's do it anyway we could call it robert and jims on the Thames. you know there we it's go absolutely not <laughs> all right podcast <laughs> is over
0: What Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women
1: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
3: This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country.